welcome to the UN Global Compact Academy. I'm Ratika De Silva, Executive Director of UN Global Compact Network, Sri Lanka. It is with pleasure that I welcome you to our Academy Changemaker Series from Colombo, Sri Lanka. With this series, we want to help you learn directly from some of the most innovative and influential people around the world. Our guest today is the Group Human Resources Director at MAS Holdings and apparel manufacturer headquartered here in Colombo, but with operations in many countries around the world, counting over 100,000 employees. I'm delighted to welcome Dinali Piris. Thank you for taking the time today to be with us. Over the next 30 minutes, we will learn about why bringing more women into the boardroom matters. The progress made towards MAS Holdings' target of 30% women in leadership by 2025, how to build a holistic gender strategy, and Denali's take on leadership. To start out, we are eager to know more about you and where your journey began. What does gender equality mean to you? Uh, so thank you, Rathika, and thank you very much for having me. Uh, so to me, gender equality means having an environment which recognizes the challenges that each person has, an environment which comes up with solutions and solves to address those challenges, thereby creating an equal playing field for all, a loving and giving equal opportunity for both men and women to work towards their professional and personal aspirations. That, that's, that's fantastic. Was there a concrete moment or an experience you had as a business leader that made it clear that focus on gender equality was critical to the long-term business success? So Rathika, I have to admit, I feel very blessed with the career that I've had at MAS. And when I reflect on my journey to date, as a woman in the organization, I have had many supportive leaders who have helped me along the way. Uh, these leaders understood the challenges that I was going through at various points of my life. Uh, these leaders pushed me to take up uh, opportunities and roles where sometimes I didn't want to take them up, but they kind of pushed me and supported me and they gave me that encouragement and freedom that I really needed uh, to be my best. And this was at a time when we were not really having this conversation in the organization and we didn't really have policies or frameworks in place. But as I progressed in my career and I started having conversations with more women, I realized that not everyone seemed to have this support that I had. And then I kind of realized, okay, it's time that we need to start speaking about this more. We need to start bringing in a framework, policies and processes that supported this agenda more. Because what I believe is that ultimately, in the long-term success of any company, it's down to talent. And talent is, you find that in both men and women. So to answer your question, it was just not a single moment, but a series of realization and my own personal experiences that really helped me understand what exactly I needed to focus on in this space. Great. Actually, as you said, leaders who set the pace 
and then helps to create that culture. So it does make a big difference there. Having said that, MAS Holdings, a target of 30% women's leadership by 2025, you have made it clear that the gender equality is a top priority. So let's turn to how we actually make change happen. For the benefit of our participants, what are your leadership targets? Okay, so when we look at our leadership targets, Ratika, we look at it twofold. And there are really two driving uh, factors behind this. Uh, we look at what we call our social sustainability index, and then we also look at what we call our women in leadership goal. I'll briefly explain to you both. Uh, the social sustainability index is how we measure how we are progressing against our sustainability journey. And our work in the area of gender and diversity is a key integral part of our sustainability strategy. So the tool that we have measures what we do to create the right environment, the right mindset, and the infrastructure necessary to support women to not only stay in the organization, but to also progress and excel professionally. So what is it that we assess and we measure? Uh, we measure our unconscious bias training. Uh, we measure our diversity, accessibility, and respect workshops. Uh, we measure how we are doing on sponsorship and mentorship for women. Uh, we measure the kind of leadership and development programs that we do for women. And from an infrastructure perspective, we look at our units having childcare facilities, uh, lactation rooms, etc. So over and above the social sustainability index, we have also given a target to all our CEOs to increase the representation of women in management. Um, this target is set from the existing baseline so that we can track and measure progress against the various actions that we are taking to create this right environment, attitude and infrastructure. So as you said, the group goal is to have 30% of women in management by 2025. This is not going to be easy, especially in light of the recent global economic and business challenges that we've seen in the last couple of years. But we're really happy to say that we are slowly and steadily making good progress. Uh, in 2019, we had 19% women in management. And as we concluded 2022, we've seen that go up to 23%. What you just said was that, you know, create, it's not about setting a target, but it's also about enabling the environment to be able to achieve that. Uh, can you outline what your process was in order to narrow down your ambition into a concrete and measurable target? So leadership buy-in and acceptance for this was really there as a business need uh, to actually have better gender representation. And having accepted that, there was an acknowledgement that we had a gap that we had to address. What is needed to be done and how we actually went about setting our targets, Ratika, was a really long process. We firstly uh, spent a lot of time researching. What were other local organizations and global organizations doing in this space? We also spent a lot of time gathering insights from our own teams. We did one-on-ones, 
we did focus group discussions, we did leadership meetings, because we wanted to gather their views and thoughts on firstly, where we were going to and what could be stopping us from progressing on that journey. We also joined networks such as the She Works Network, the U United Nations Global Compact Target Gender Equality Network and through those networks we got insights into what we should focus on, what other companies were doing. So based on all of this and, and the research, we looked at what we believed were the key areas that we had to work on. And whilst there are sometimes many things that we want to do, we realized we can't do everything. So we picked the key areas that we believed we needed to action. Let's have some concrete movement on that and have regular reviews of check adjust to see whether we had picked the right areas and how we were kind of progressing. Uh, we have a dedicated team working in this space and I think that was very important for us because to make a change like this requires time and dedication. Right. I think, uh, I think you explained that very well because there is no one approach and it has, from industry to industry, sector to sector, it can be different and you have to identify where the gap is and of course Thereafter, you have to help the want to really address that and then plan for it. Transformation is easy to talk about, but isn't easy, it isn't easy to do. But you got there and you made it happen. Have you experienced pushback? Of course, of course, all the time. And even to date, we deal with instances of pushback, disagreement, challenging what we are doing in this space. But I have to tell you, Rathika, we take this very positively. Because firstly, we want the open dialogue. It's important for us to understand what people are really thinking and feeling about the work that we're trying to do in this space. And we want the multiple viewpoints. And whilst there is pushback and there is disagreement for us, we then know that our communication lines are effective and people are actually thinking about the issue at hand and the bigger picture. Fantastic, because what you just explained was also the importance of setting a target because pushback will always be there. Well, once you set a target, nothing should stop you from achieving that. Women's empowerment is not just about numbers and, seat and a seat at the table. But how do the effects of having more women in the boardroom trickle down to the other levels within the organization? So firstly, having women support other women is a key focus area for us. Our female mentors for our women's mentorship programs has a lot of benefits. And of course, great examples of role models to inspire other women to strive to meet their personal and professional aspirations. The second would be by having more women in your boardroom, you are also going to influence the policies and the decisions that are made in relation to such areas that support this work. Uh, decisions around flexible work, childcare, anti-harassment. It's not to say that men don't understand, but women will know best the challenges that they have faced 
as they are progressing in their career, to be, be better able to influence what an organization needs to do. So these are two of the benefits that we have seen. With your leadership, you have uh, brought to priority areas of childcare, parental leave, flexibility options. How are you measuring progress? And what is the impact you see in these areas? So firstly, I think it's uh, important to understand why we focused on these areas. Uh, this was feedback that we received through a needs assessment that we did at MAS, where childcare, parental leave and flexibility came as the top three areas that we had to address. So on childcare facilities, we just measure how many of our units actually provide this benefit. On parental leave, over and above what is legally required, we also introduced and we have adoption leave, where we provide the same number of leave days as maternity leave to new mums, to also mums that have adopted children. We currently provide five days of paternity leave and we are looking to increase that number as we go on. The biggest challenge that we see is actually encouraging the new dads to take this leave. We want to break the mindset that only mums are responsible for child, child rearing or only the role of the mum is important when a, a baby is born and we want to make sure that we also have the dad involved in this process. On flexible work, we actually rolled out our policy well before COVID. And our policy allows for flexi time work from home or work from another location at MAS. I have to tell you, the uptake was absolutely slow and there was complete pushback because we were in a manufacturing environment and our leaders almost wanted an all-or-nothing approach. So either all roles across the organization have to be given this flexibility, or no roles should be given the flexibility. And as you can understand, in a production environment, it was a challenge to give flexibility to those kind of roles. Thankfully, through the pandemic, leaders gained more acceptance that flexible work was possible. But one of the challenges, Ratika, that we have you know, faced is how do we measure the impact of all of this? And we tend to find that our impacts are more qualitative in nature than quantitative. So we measure impact through various ways. Um, testimonies of our employees, which would be the qualitative feedback that we get from our plants. So for example, in the northeast of Sri Lanka, our parents have shared feedback, how they were able to continue to work because of the childcare facilities that we had. In Jordan, we saw an increase in the number of female employment, and we also saw a 9% reduction in the sick leave that was taken. Uh, on flexible work, we have a workplace arrangement survey that we do, and in our last survey, 42% of our employees are using some form of flexible work. We've mentioned already that your organization isn't it's only active in Sri Lanka, but also has offices in Indonesia, India, Jordan, as we just mentioned, Kenya, and many other places around the world. How are you able to develop a global strategy for gender equality that takes into consideration the cultural differences and local priorities? 
So Rathika, in addition to the work that we're doing in increasing women in management, we have a flagship program at MAS, which is completing 20 years in 2023, which we call the Women Go Beyond program. And this has been launched not only in Sri Lanka, but many other countries in which we operate in. The program itself focuses on a few areas, uh, career advancement, women's health, uh, prevention of gender-based violence, financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and it is a program much more focused on the shop floor. So in our approach of taking this program global, we did a few things. We worked with subject matter experts of those countries to really understand what the needs of the country were. We looked at our communication material, our conversation points, our program content, and made sure it was contextualized to the countries that we were operating in. But what we found out is whilst there are many cultural and social sensitivities, there were also a lot of similarities in the challenges faced by women globally. So this is how we kind of approach how we take this program to our global locations. Thank you, Dinali. Our next set of questions move towards looking ahead. Uh, so what happens in the case that you don't meet your gender targets? And do you have a plan in place to anticipate potential backlash or change course? Since we have been on this journey for a while, I really don't anticipate there to be any backlash, which is going to completely throw us off course. Where targets are concerned though, we have had to hold back, check adjust our goals. The last four years of a global and local crisis meant that we could not be as aggressive as we wanted to be. Having said that, we still focus on our goal. Uh, there have been some years that we have pushed the percentage to increase. There have been some years that we have just wanted to maintain the percentage by the end of the year. But looking back, one thing we've never done is take that percentage down. And at times when things can seem like it's not moving, there is frustration setting in on the progress we are making. I always tell my team that's driving this agenda that as long as we are working on creating that right environment, changing the mindset, and that the conversation and discussion is becoming more, and even if it is that we're moving one baby step forward, it's a baby step in the right direction. And whilst our progression towards the 30% may be slow, it gives me immense pride when during our talent reviews, I see the board questioning the CEO on the composition of the leadership from a gender angle. Or when I see leaders proactively wanting to see female candidates for job roles. This is not me asking, it's them asking. And then I sit back and I know that our efforts are you know, playing off. I mean, that's, that's amazing because you brought them to that level and they see the value in what you have done. Just a question on looking ahead towards gender equality at large. What do you think are core challenges women and girls will have to face over the next, next decade? So if I look back at the last decade, I think we've had a heightened level of awareness 
on the rights and the fight for gender equality, uh, better education, more opportunities for women. But with this, there could also be a greater challenge in managing the stereotypical roles that are required of women, where home and childcare are concerned, which to date is largely seen as a woman's responsibility. And there will be a challenge since there is still a lack of a strong support system, such as childcare, flexible work, and sharing of home and childcare responsibilities. And uh, whilst change is happening, it's not happening fast enough. And governments and corporates will need to step in and provide solutions. Women and girls have also been affected adversely by the pandemic. And with the global downturn we are, that we are experiencing now, uh, jobs, access to healthcare, unpaid care work increasing, the effects of this will also be seen in the next decade. No one can change the system by themselves. You have said that you are part of the something, something much bigger than your company. Who are the most crucial allies for transformation? Uh, allies for transformation are much needed and you definitely need internal allies and you need external allies. If we look at it internally, we need our CEOs, we need our senior leadership, we need our production and manufacturing leaders, the executive committees of our business, and of course the large HR fraternity that we have across the group to be our allies in this agenda. When we look at it externally, uh, the families of our employees with whom we connect and whom we work with to create healthier family and home environments are important. The government agencies, the hospitals, the healthcare centers that provide essential services for our employees are important and the community. Our schools in and around our factories are, are very important for us. Uh, through our Women Go Beyond program, we work with families, schools and community through the work that we do on education and awareness building, especially on topics such as prevention of violence, breaking gender stereotypes, a better communication and having better family relationships. Uh, and last but not least, the international bodies that we have partnered with are also strong allies to us. I mentioned the United Nations Global Compact, IFC, other United Nations organizations like the UN, FPA are all allies. Allies are needed on all fronts and the more you have, the more we'll be able to take this agenda forward. You couldn't have said it better. I think there is no way you can function without allies and also as, a, uh, a, as an entity that's working across countries, across cultures, allies play a key role there. In all our Changemaker sessions, we like to end with lightning round on uh, future leadership. So for each question, just say the first thing that comes to your mind. So <laughs> what other leaders, past, present, and do you take inspiration from? Hmm. So for me, she's not just a business leader, but she has been an incredible thought leader, and it's Oprah Winfrey. I know this may not be your kind of generic answer, but to me, her story, her journey, and her commitment has been so inspiring. And I hope I can take a few moments to just yes. explain why. Uh, as you know, she was uh, from an extremely underprivileged background. 
she was a victim of sexual abuse, but despite all this, she powered through, educated herself, and worked her way up to build a multi-million dollar business in the entertainment industry. But what resonated with me the most was how she used entertainment. Through her talk shows, her movies, and her books, she brought out to the public social issues that at that time we would not want to talk about. It was almost seen as taboo, but she didn't shy away from it. She bought it center and upfront through the work that she did and she was not afraid. On a more personal front to me, she is raw, she is authentic and she is real. And for me that showed immense courage honesty and authenticity. That's just an amazing story and you got to have grit and strength. Many young people are worried about climate crisis and the future. What is the piece of advice you can give them? What I can promise is in my capacity for working in an organization like MAS, I will work hard to drive and influence the change that is needed to address climate crisis and other societal issues that we're facing not just from an environment attitude and an infrastructure perspective, but also to create uh, a change culture and mold the change mindset within the organization. When you employ over 100,000 uh, individuals in over 16 countries, the change that you create within an organization is going to impact and permeate out to the change that you create in a community. Thank you, Tinani. As one who has made transformation happen, what is one piece of advice you can give to young professionals? Don't give up voicing your view and say what you want to and continue to do it. Well, there are a few things that I think can work. Look for strength in numbers. Find others who share your view, because that always helps. Uh, take non-traditional, unconventional routes to make your voice heard. Uh, try to find an ally, someone who has the most influence to make that change happen. And most importantly, don't lose patience. Now I know I didn't stick to just one piece of advice, but it's because I think, again, every organization is unique and has their own way. So there is no one way to do this, but I would just say don't give up voicing your view and saying what you want to. Great. Okay, down to basics. What are the three most important characteristics leaders need to create change in today's and tomorrow's world? Number one, actively listen. Be willing to actively listen and understand the change that is required, the change that is needed, the change that people are wanting. Secondly, when you've understood that, be prepared to self-reflect, what do you need to unlearn? What do you need to relearn? And how can you make that change happen in you? Because before you can take an organization through change, you need to make sure you're part of that. Third, you have to take the rest of the organization with you. So as leader, you have to be inspiring, you've got to be motivating, you've got to galvanize the support that you need to make this change happen and you need to be resilient because change is not going to happen overnight 
and there will be ups and downs and many downs, but you have to be patient and persistent. Fantastic. Go after it and be resilient, yes. Thank you very much and uh, for sharing your insights. Uh, thank you, Tidani, for uh, the time that you have spent with us. Thank you very much, Ratika. Thank you for having me. And I hope that this, in some small way, influences those that are watching to take the agenda of diversity and inclusion and gender equity forward. Thank you to our participants for joining us today. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I did. Dinali has shared her journey and the journey of MAS Holdings as they work towards women's empowerment. Some key reflections are the importance for each organization to do a self-assessment to understand their gaps and identify two or three focus areas and set realistic targets with the support of all stakeholders to work towards achieving gender equality and measure impact. The importance of women supporting women with access to mentors who understand the challenge they face and work towards transformational change. The buy-in of internal allies from senior management of the organization and external allies such as the government and the communities around the organization's locality is crucial in the work towards creating an equal playing field for men and women. That's it for this Changemaker session. We look forward to seeing you again soon. <laughs>